Well, just about every year, well, for a number of years, it was during the summer, but uh, now during December, we have the wearers who are so gracious to come back. Let me just tell you about them. Uh, full of faith and zeal, power of the Spirit, and the call of God left Louisiana. How many of you like Cajun food? Glory to God. Left Louisiana with the call of God and the fire of God to go to Denver. Had a station wagon and a trailer, if I remember correctly, and, and, and they towed all their stuff and went to Denver to start a church. And it started it with a few folks and was in a basement or something like that, and then the storefront. And, and God allowed him and a, them, a beautiful family and a tremendous team to build a, a really a regionally impacting church there in Denver. If you're ever in Denver, you'd wanna go there. His anointed son, their anointed son, Matthew, he's pastoring it now. Uh, but these folks travel around and pour into pastors and pour into churches internationally. Just got back from Brazil, is that right, Pastor? And, and uh, they've been coming here and they could be anywhere. And uh, they could be anywhere. They've come, come to this church specifically because they feel called to come and pour into me and my wife and these leaders and pour into you. And every time you come, Pastor, you leave a deposit that, that marks us and we remember it the year through. And it's, uh, you've had a tremendous influence in my life. And as I've told you, but I'm telling you also, tremendous influence in my life. And I'm just so thankful. Would you put your hands together for my bigger, taller, better looking older brother? Come on. Thank you, Jesus, Pastor Mike Ware. Thank you. Amen. You can be seated. It is so always good to be here in Alaska. Well, I love Alaska. I love the Alaskan people. I love your culture. I love your fish and seafood. I love everything about it. I love your pastor and his wife. Aren't they amazing? I said, aren't they really amazing? I say this really every time I come, but I just feel like I have to say it again, is that these are people that have character and integrity. They're authentic and they're genuine and they love the Lord and they love you and they love this state and they, they, they want to reach this state. And uh, you are so blessed and honored and as well as they are to have you here this morning. But uh, for you to be able to say that that's your leader, they're filled with vision and uh, all they want to do is try to help you to take another step, get the football down the field a little bit further every week. That's, they're trying to help you score in life is what they're trying to help you do because they love you and they care about you. And I don't know really how you feel about it, but I just want you to know I, I deeply love you both. You are some of the choice servants of God. And I, I've told you this before. I get a chance to travel all over the world. It's amazing. And I pinched myself. I just got back from Brazil. We were with uh, the, the, lead, the leading, I don't know any way to put it, but they're the most influential leaders in the entire nation. Spoken four conferences. One has 100,000 people in his church. Uh, another one, I don't know how many, 35, 45,000 people. I don't know, but these are the most influential people. And I pinched myself and I think, God, why do I get to go there? And then I pinched myself and think, why do I get to come here? And, uh, and so I'm so honored to be here this morning. I'm honored to be with your pastor, his wife, Pastor Karen, and all of you. And uh, I just want you to know, Jeannie and I love you. Jeannie, would you stand up and say hello to them again? There's my beautiful bride. 
I was looking at her. We went to eat the other night, and I looked at her. I, I thought, she didn't have any wrinkles. She's looking good. And uh, was it Chris that just said they got back from their honeymoon? Well, we're just getting back from our honeymoon. We've had 43 of them so far, and it's been good, and, uh, and we're blessed. Amen. Somebody asked me, uh, I preached in our church last Sunday, and somebody said, well, where are you going to be this week? I said, well, I'm going to be in Alaska. They said, what are you doing in Alaska? I said, I'm preaching in the biggest church in Alaska. Some of you say, we're not the biggest church in Alaska. Well, in my eyes, you are. And if you can't see what I'm seeing, there's something wrong with you. Because I believe you are the biggest church. You're going to be the biggest. You're going to influence the most. You're going to touch the, 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 the state. And you're going to touch things beyond the state. And there are people in this city and the surrounding area that need to be in this house right now. And they're your friends. And you're going to be building that building because you need a little more room. As I've, I've said it before, the shoe never determines the size of the foot. So the foot keeps growing. You need a bigger, bigger shoe. Amen? And so get ready. And, you know, I found out something that I, I just want to announce to you. All the money that's needed to build the building is here. Come on, somebody shout to the Lord. You got it all. Oh, oh there's only one problem. It's still in your pockets. And get ready because 2018 is going to be a remarkable year. I, whenever I got here, I didn't, I told you, Pastor, I'm not prophetic. He says, yes, you are. I said, well, no, I'm not. But um, I, just, I just sense in my spirit 2018 is going to be a great year for you and for this church. If, if you're willing to push back against spiritual darkness, because I believe that you've gotten so far in your personal life and in the church life. And I mean, look what God has done already. It's amazing. I am so blessed to be here. I'm honored, honored, so honored to be with all of you and be with you, Pastor, Pastor Karen. And, but, but, but I'm sensing this. If the Lord could somehow pull the curtain back, pull the veil back, and let you see there's something in the way. I'm not talking about principalities. I'm not talking about powers. I'm talking about spiritual darkness. Rulers in high places. You know, you've already conquered the first couple of them. But there's something a little bigger in your way. And I believe if you're willing to push back, if you're willing to resist, I believe God is going to give you the most remarkable year you've ever seen in your life. How many of you want some of that? Well, there's going to be a price for it. And there's not going to be very many that will pay the price, Pastor Daniel. I'm praying that you and this church will, though. I'm talking about as a church, as a whole, you'll pay this price. Because there's something on the other side of this obstacle. There's something on the other side that, that God, is, God is behind you. God is pushing you. God is wanting you to take a step. But if you don't take that step, I mean, you'll, be, you'll live happily ever after. I mean, you'll have the, the, what you have right now, and everybody rejoice and go to heaven one day. But I don't think this is all that God has for you as an individual. It's not all that God has for this church. And I think you're going to have to pay for something. You're going to have to have some skin in the game. And I'm not talking about just the money you give to build that building, but I'm talking about to, to, to break through the spiritual obstacles that are in your way right now, that are keeping you from what God has intended for your life. I'm going to pray about that. I just, I'm, I'm, t I'm stirred up about this. I don't know why, but I'm stirred up about this. I believe this is the Lord Father in the name of Jesus. We are agreeing together right now that every obstacle that's in the way is going to be moved by the power of Jesus Christ. But Lord, not by you alone, but by your people who are willing to rise up and pay the price 
Lord God, to push and to scrape and to shove and whatever it takes, Lord God, to move those spiritual things out of the way. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Lord, we're pushing it out of the way that your power, that your presence, that your anointing that flows from the throne of God will flow down into this church, through the people in this house, Lord God, into this city and the surrounding area, throughout the state, in Christ's name. And Lord, we're right now going to give you all the glory for it because you're well able to do it. Come on, put your hands together and let's thank the Lord right now that that's exactly what he's doing. Woo! Man, I'm fired up. I hadn't even started preaching yet. Open your Bibles, Bible apps to Psalm 78. Psalm 78. While you're doing that, I want to tell you about a lady I heard about. She was traveling on a business trip. She was in Europe. And she called her husband. And, uh, you know, catching up, she was about to come home from this business trip. And so before she hung up, she said, how is my cat? He said, your cat's dead. She said, whoa, no. He said, why did you... Why did you say when I asked how my cat was, why did you say he's dead? Why didn't you just say he's on the roof? And then when I got to Paris, you could have said he wasn't feeling good. And when I got to London, you know, he was feeling sluggish. When I got to New York and called, you could have said I took him to the vet. And then when I got home, you could have said he's dead. Well, I mean, he, how was he going to respond? Said, well, I'm sorry. You know, I, I didn't know that was kind of the protocol that you wanted. I'll, I'll try to do better later. Before she hung up, she said, well, how's my mother? He said, she's on the roof. <laughs> you know, some people don't like the truth, do they? That's what I love about your pastor and this team here. They're here to tell you the truth. It's truth that sets you free. Did you know that? It's truth that helps you get past deception. That's why you need the truth. That's why this is a, this is a house of truth. Amen. No fake news here. We got the gospel news here. The good news in this house. Amen. Psalm 78 Children of Israel have just been freed from bondage, the chains that have held them for over 400 years. God has, has freed them up, to, and they're taking steps to their destiny, taking steps to the promised land, the land of milk and honey. And they made their way out of Egypt. They're, 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 they're moving across the wilderness. And they're, they're, they're about to enter into this place that they've had in their spirit, in their heart for, for all these generations. And they realize, this is hard, this is difficult. I want to show you this verse, verse 41, Psalm 78. It says, yes, they turned back and they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. This morning, I want to speak on taking the limits off of God. And you may not know this today, but you can put some limits on God. They got their eyes on what was before them and it looked hard and it looked difficult and they said, we can't do this, it's not possible. And they, they tempted God and they turned back and they limited the Holy One of Israel. You know what? This is a picture of a lot of Christians. It could be a picture of you here this morning. You have a God that has freed you. You are bound in chains. Chains of sin, chains of your past, chains of mistakes, chains of failure. And and. and Christ comes along with these big bolt cutters and he, and he breaks the chains and he frees you and he delivers you. He washes away all your past with his own blood and he puts you on the path to take you to the place that he promised in your life. And, it's, and these next steps are so hard and so difficult and you're beginning to tempt God and you're wanting to turn back and you have limited the Holy One of Israel. 
I'm here to tell you this morning, God wants you to take the limits off of him. He's a big God. I said he's a big God. He's a powerful God. He rules the universe. He creates everything with his words. He's a big God. But you can put a limit on God. Here they were, ready to take steps, just like you, ready to take some steps. And they said, this is hard. There are giants in the land. There are all these things. And they, and they stopped, tempted God, and turned back. You know, I was thinking of the scripture in Hebrews 10, 38. It says, now the just live by faith. The just live by faith. But if any man draw back or turn back, he said, my soul has no pleasure in them. God takes no pleasure in anybody sitting in this house today whose souls turn back. Because when your soul turns back, you tempt God and you've limited the great and powerful and mighty God that is for you, not against you. That wants you to receive what he promised you. If we're going to live a life full of passion, if we're going to live a life full of purpose, there's something that you can't do. You can't limit God. We need to take the limits off of God. You know, the Bible says that Jesus could do no mighty miracles in his own country because of their unbelief. There were no mighty miracles because there was no mighty faith because they couldn't believe in their heart. They turned back. They limited God. Some of you are limiting God. You're saying, oh, God will do it for Pastor Daniel, Pastor Kerry, but he won't do it for me. Oh, he'll do it for the couple that just testified about their mother, mother mother-in-law, but they won't do it for me. I'm telling you, we serve a God that is unlimited. 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 What I'm praying is that you'll go away from this morning service. I tell you, you better come back tonight. I've got a revelation I'm going to share with you that I think is going to set you free. Really, I've only spoken this message a couple of Jeannie, my wife's never even heard this message. And I cannot wait till my son lets me just preach it in my own church. Well, it's his church now. What used to be my church. But I get to preach it here tonight. I can hardly wait. It's a revelation to me. But listen to this. I, I want you to go away, from, go away from this service this morning, serving an unlimited God, doing unlimited things. Serving an unlimited God, doing unlimited things. My goal is to inspire you and to motivate you that with God, nothing is impossible. Can I hear another amen from you? Here's the number one problem with every Christian. No matter where I go in the world, this is the number one problem. We have these invisible, unseen barriers in our life. And we go so far in our Christian life, and we run into an unseen barrier. We run into this invisible barrier, and we just don't go any further. And we put a limit on God because we have these barriers that are in our way. I read about a man who put fleas in a jar. And the fleas kept trying to jump to get out, but he put the lid on top. And so the fleas would jump and hit the top of the lid. And after a while, he noticed that the fleas quit jumping. And he took the lid off, and the fleas never tried to jump out. You know the reason why? Because they had been conditioned that they could not get out. You know, we had, we had a dog. We didn't have a fence in our backyard. We had what we call an invisible fence. Does everybody know what that is? It's where you bury that wire and put the collar around the dog and put it on him see what happens. Kind of, kind of shocks them a little bit. And so I did that. I put that perimeter, that little thing. I buried that wire. 
and I put the, the collar on my dog and I let him walk around out there. When he got near the end, I, I mean, the thing would shock him. He realized that six feet from the edge was too close. Seven feet was a lot better. There was an invisible barrier, an invisible fence. He couldn't see it, but when he got close, he knew it was there. I remember one time I was out in the yard and I called my dog to me and I said, come on, come on, come on. He starts running across the yard. I mean, so fast, happy to see me. And all of a sudden you can see on his eyes, I'm getting close to the fence. He threw on the brakes about seven feet away and I kept trying to get him to come closer. He raised up on his hind legs and hold his, held his paws out and goes, mm. Why? Because there was an invisible, unseen barrier there. He'd been conditioned that if he got any closer, he would be shocked. It's like the Russian scientist that was studying the pike fish. You know, pike is a game fish. They love to eat minnows. And so he put them in an aquarium and he put a glass between the two of them. And that pike kept trying to get to that minnow, but he kept hitting that glass over and over and over. And I mean, it was kind of like knocking the fish crazy. And after a while, the fish quit trying to, to, to attack and eat the, the minnow because he kept running into this invisible barrier. So he pulled the glass out and he noticed that that minnow could swim under the whiskers of that pike and the pike never tried to eat him. You know why? He'd been conditioned. This is a picture of you because you've been conditioned by government, by teachers, by Christian leaders, by friends, by family, by denominations. You've been, you've been conditioned by this world to say you can't do certain things. It's impossible. You know, somebody came to me and say, it's a, you can't do this, Pastor. It's impossible. You know, every time somebody says it's impossible to me, you know what I tell them? You know, when it's impossible, it just makes it a little harder for me. Because, see, I've got God on my side. I'm not going to put a limit on my God. He's a big God, a loving God, a kind God. And there are a lot of you sitting here today. You've given up. You've quit. You've quit jumping. You're hidden behind some invisible fence. You have opportunities and divine appointments swimming right under your nose. You don't even seize them because you've been conditioned. You can't have them. Because you tried before, Pastor. I tried before and I failed. I prayed and I didn't get an answer. And I just, I've heard all of the excuses. I'm tired of excuses. You want to go somewhere in 2018? Yeah. Pastor, you want to get someplace in 2018? Can I tell you, we need to break down these invisible barriers that you're hiding behind and quit using them as an excuse for why we don't have the things of God. Most people do never, they never realize that these barriers, the kind of barriers that they have in their life, they never realize that they have been conditioned by their surroundings and by all kinds of things that, you know, we can't touch lives. We can't build a church over on that hill. We don't, we'll never have enough money. We'll never be able to reach people. My children will never be saved. My husband or wife will never come to Christ. You know, we, we, we come up with all these excuses for why we can't do it. Those are the invisible barriers God is saying you've got to break down. Somehow, we've got to take some steps to live our life with purpose. But we get conditioned that we can't succeed. So we quit or give up or abandon our purpose. Look, the purpose of this message is to get you launched again, started again, moving again in steps of living your life with some kind of, some kind of significance and meaning again, but you can limit 
God. Listen, you can let, this is all you have to say to limit God. Here, here, listen to this. I don't think so. I've tried that. didn't work. Well, I prayed. God answered Pastor Daniel, but he didn't answer me. Oh, yeah, he answered Pastor Karen because they're anointed. That's all you got to do is say those things. And you have put a limit on God. It keeps you from the impossible, the miracles, the wonders, the things of God. It's a veil that binds you to the, to the possible instead of taking you to the place of the impossible. It is a veil that binds you to the ordinary instead of leading you into the extraordinary. It's a veil that's in the way. The Lord is trying to remove that veil from you because he's an unlimited God. He says, I am able to do exceedingly abundantly above what you can ask or think. So what's your problem? God wants you to break through these invisible barriers. Look, you can do what the devil says you can't do. You can have what the devil says you can't have. You can be what the devil says you can't be. Has the devil ever come to you, or have you ever heard a little voice saying, you can't do that? Don't even try. Don't try that. Don't even try that. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Has he ever done that? The devil's done that to me. I cannot tell you how many times you can't do that. Reminds me of the woman whose husband was drunk. I mean, he'd come home every night. I mean, drunker than Cooter Brown's grandma. I don't know who Cooter Brown's grandma is, but she must have been a real drinker. You know what I'm saying? But I mean, he'd come staggering every night. She tried to do everything to kind of get the devil out of him so he wouldn't drink anymore. And so it was, uh, she just couldn't get him to quit drinking. Well, she knew that where he drank, that he would always walk home through a cemetery And so she thought, well, I'm going to have somebody dig a grave right in the middle of that path. So when he comes home drunk, he'll fall into that grave and think he's he's fallen into a place where there's dead people and ghouls and goblins and it'll scare the devil out of him. So she had somebody dig that 10-foot hole, I mean 10 foot straight down. Problem was that night, there was another man that was walking down that path. And he fell right into that hole. I mean, he hit the bottom of that thing. It was so dark he couldn't see. He began to scream and holler and try to climb to get out. It was 10 feet tall. He couldn't. He did everything he could. He could not get out. He was covered in sweat. He just decided, I'll just wait till the morning and somebody come along and get me out of here. Well, about an hour later, guess who comes staggering down through the... was the old drunk. And he fell right into that hole. As soon as he hit the bottom of that, he realized, I'm in a graveyard. I just fell into a grave. There's dead people in here. And there's ghouls and goblins and ghosts. And I mean spooky things. And he got scared. And he began to cry. And tears were going down his cheek. And he began to cry out and and holler and scrape and crawl and jump and do everything. He couldn't get out. And the man in the corner watched him for 30 minutes, just kind of amused. And then the man in the corner decided to do this. He said, you can't get out of here. But he did. (laughs) See, listen, listen. Here's the point. You know, a lot of people tell you, you can't do something. I'm here to tell you that you can. The devil says you can't do something. I'm here to tell you that you can. Come on, somebody, are you here today? Turn to your neighbor and say, you can. Come on, say, say it to him. You can do it. Our problem is that we have been conditioned by these invisible barriers Those are the lies of the devil. I can never get out of this situation. I mean, I can never amount to anything. Too much has already happened. I've already tried and failed so many times. Too many years have gone by. I've heard all those excuses. I'm tired of excuses. What's happening is when you say those words, you're limiting the Holy One of Israel. You're limiting Him. 
How many of you want to break those invisible barriers this morning? There's three things, practical things. Number one, don't limit God by your mind or by your thinking. Don't limit God by the way you think. Now, Israel had made God madder than fire. I mean, God had just freed them. He was taking them to the promised land, the land of milk and honey. I mean, he was finally delivering on his promise after generations. I mean, generations that had it in their spirit. God is for us. God is with us. God is before us. And they see 10 mighty miracles in Egypt, and they're on their way. They get a couple of days out into the wilderness, and they turn around, and they want to tempt God, and they limit the Holy One of Israel. And here's what they said in verse 19. Let's go back a couple of verses. It says, can God... It says, can God furnish us a table in the wilderness? What? They just saw the mighty hand of God. Frogs, lice, boils, firstborn dead. I mean, they saw the mighty hand of God. And now they're saying, can God furnish us a table in the wilderness? What's wrong with these people? Somebody ought to slap them five ways. Somebody ought to slap you five ways because you say the same thing. Can God furnish a table? Can God heal me? Can God touch me? Can God grow our church? Come on, don't look so holy out there. You're not any different than these people. Can God furnish us a table in the wilderness? Can God, can we get enough money to build that building on top of that hill? Can we really reach our city? Can I really lead my love on to the, to the Lord? Can we really touch Alaska? See, we ask the same questions. Put a limit on God because of the way we think. We put a limit on God with our mind. Here was Israel. They've been freed from the chains of bondage, and now they're on their way. And they're out in the wilderness, and they're saying, well, there's, there's no Fred Myers here. There's no Walmart here. How are we going to buy clothes? Our shoes are going to wear out. Where are we going to get food? They were seeing in the natural. They weren't seeing in the supernatural. God always sees in the supernatural. He knew their shoes would never wear out. Their clothes would never get tattered. He knew that quail would come in on the east wind and water would come out of a rock. He knew that. But they were limiting the Holy One of Israel. Can God furnish us a table in the wilderness? You know, just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Everything that is and was is in God. Go read your Bible. That's, I'm quoting a verse out of the Bible. Everything that is and was is in God. And just because you don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I don't see electricity. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Let's get a paper clip, unfold it. Let's stick it in that light socket. Why don't you try it first? And tell me if you think electricity exists. I don't see it. Do you see it? Listen, we can limit God by our thinking. We can limit God with our mind. In the natural, there's no way that they could make it. See, in the natural, in their natural mind, we can't do this. We can't survive. But see, God doesn't see what you see. And they limited the Holy One of Israel by the way they were thinking. They put up these invisible barriers limiting God. Like, you know, Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. You know the story. Everybody knows that from Sunday school or when you were a child. You know, Daniel did not limit God in his mind. He was told not to pray. He didn't care what anybody thought. He was praying. They threw him into the lion's den where these hungry beasts were. 
And the king didn't want to do it. The next morning, he came back and says, Daniel, is your God whom you serve able to save you? He said, my God is able to deliver me. See, he didn't limit God with his mind. If he had, he'd have probably been hors d'oeuvres for those beasts. You see, don't limit God with your mind. Kind of like the, the boy with the five loaves and two fishes, the little sack lunch that he had. Do you remember that story? Jesus the people were hungry. The disciples said, hey, Jesus, we need to let everybody go. There's no stores around here, and it's getting late, and they're probably hungry. And Jesus said, why don't you feed them? They said, well, we, don't have any, we don't have enough food. We don't have money to buy anything. And a little boy who didn't limit God with his mind walked up with a little paper sack with his little two minnows and five little crackers in it. He said, I think this might help. Little with man is much with God. And Jesus had everybody sit down. Listen to this. He fed multitudes because there was a young boy who took the limit off of God. He didn't think that God was not able. He knew that God was well able to do it. You need to take the limits off of God. It starts with your thinking. It starts with your mind. Like three, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Everybody knows them. The, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, had made this huge statue. He said, he said, we're going to make a new decree. For 30 days, everybody's going to bow down. At the sound of the trumpet, everybody needs to bow down. He gathers everybody in the realm of his kingdom. The trumpets begin to sound. Everybody bows down, but there was three boys way off at the distance. And the king said, who are those boys? He said, they look like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, go bring them to me. He comes over and he says, hey, didn't you get the memo? When the horn sounds, you bow down. He said, I'm going to give you another shot at this. He said, if you don't bow down, see that fire, that furnace over there? We're going to heat that thing up seven times hotter. We're going to throw you in there. It's over. Now, if those three Hebrew boys would have thought with their mind, they would have done everything they could to stay out of that fire. But see, they didn't limit God with their mind. They said, kingy wingy. said, uh, you can blow these trumpets till you blew in the, in the face, but we are not bowing down. And whether the Lord delivers us or not, it ain't going to happen. He blew the trumpets, or they blew the trumpets. They wouldn't bow down. They heated that furnace up seven times hotter. They threw them into that fire. The king looks inside. He said, didn't we just throw three men in that fire? He said, I see a fourth like unto the Son of God. A few minutes later, they come walking out. They didn't bend, they didn't bow, and they didn't burn. Because they didn't limit God with their minds. See, that's our problem. That's the invisible barrier. The problem is that you think like men. That's your problem. Can I tell you something about your mind? Your mind is crazy. It'll tell you a lot of things that are not right. Hello, are you here this morning? I mean, with men, it's always impossible. With God, all things are possible. Can I hear another amen? amen. Listen, your mind will play tricks on you all the time. I remember when we moved, this, we had started in the basement of a community college. Our church did. And then we grew enough, we went to like a little storefront. We outgrew that, had multiple services. And then we ended up, uh, there was a church that had gone bankrupt. It was a big, it seated by 750 people. And they wanted $2.1 million. They were trying to sell it. We didn't hardly have $2.1. But anyway, you know, we wanted to get in that building. We only had about 125 people. And I thought, Lord, how are we going to grow unless we take steps of faith? Unless we risk something. I'm taking the limits off of you. 
So we go and we worked out a deal where we leased the building. It was about 300%, three times more than what we were paying in the other place. Well, the first month that we were in there, I got the utility bill. And I opened it up. I mean, it's just like I'm looking at it right now that day, 20-some years ago. And I opened up that bill. It was for $2,507. Now, I'm thinking, wait a minute. There's got to be a mistake. There's no way that our electricity could be $2,507. That can't be. There's got to be something wrong. I mean, I don't even, we don't have that much money. I don't think God has that much money in heaven either. See, my mind was beginning to limit God. I said, how in the world are we going to pay this? We didn't have the money. I was distraught over that. We had a, a, a concert that week, and I had forgotten all about it. Our youth pastor said, hey, pastor, we got a concert on Friday night. I said, oh, I forgot about it. Well, the place was packed up. We had to turn away about 1,000 people the next Sunday. I said, Lord, you're able to do this. The next Sunday, the Lord added about, I imagine, 50 or 100 people to our church from a simple concert. We paid that bill on time and have never looked back. In 31 years, we have never missed one payment ever on anything. You know the reason why? We took the limits off of God. I'm going to tell you, there was a temptation to say there's no way until we begin to realize we serve a big God. Take the limits off of God. Take the limits off of God. Take these, remove these invisible barriers that you have in your life. It starts in your mind. That's where it always starts. Are you here today? We need to start saying, I'm with God, not with men. I'm with God and not with men. All things are possible. If God is for me, who can be against me? Take the limits off of God with your mind. Number two, don't limit God by where you've come from. And what a pitiful excuse this is. I see Christians all the time say, well, pastor, you know, I don't have the education. You know, I didn't have a lot of money growing up. You know, I, you know, some people say, well, I don't have my high school. I don't have my GED or my high school diploma or all these kind of things. Look, everyone in this room right here has come from different backgrounds. Some of you have come from wealth and all things. Some of you come from a very, very poor, I mean, very poor raising. I mean, you didn't have, your parents didn't have anything. But we use it as an excuse for why we can't follow God and why we limit God. We limit God from where we've come from. We start to say, well, you don't know, you don't know what's happened in my life. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not educated enough. And we put limits on God. Pitiful excuse. Pitiful excuse. I think about Amos, the prophet. You know, the Bible says that he was an uneducated man. Uneducated. But he became a great prophet. He's in the Bible. I'm not in the Bible. Are you in the Bible? An uneducated man. He did not use that as an excuse. He did not limit God. He didn't say, God, you can't use me because I don't know anything. What about Elisha? When Elijah came and found him, he was plowing in a field with 12 yoke of oxen. He was a farmer. How could God ever use a farmer? Well, he did. He ended up doing twice as many miracles as Elijah. Hello, are you here this morning? I mean, I think about Paul, the, the killer of Christians. He tormented people like you and I. He tortured us to death. How could God use him? But God chose a man who was a murderer, a torturer, who ends up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. I'm talking about the things that you read and get encouraged and inspired and motivated by. He wrote it. Don't limit God from where you've come from. Gideon. Some of you remember the story of Gideon. The angel of the Lord came to Gideon. I want to read this to you. 
It says in uh, Judges 6, verse 14, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Before that, he said, he said what, what are you doing here? Oh my, he, because the angel said, Oh, mighty man of valor. He said, Are you talking to me? He was hiding in the wine press. He was a coward. The Midianite army had surrounded him. He was trying to thresh some wheat out. And the angel of the Lord came to him. He said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Now watch this. He said to him, oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? He started limiting God from where he came from. He said, indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in the house, my father's house. How could you use me? I'm a nobody. I'm a gnat on the windshield. And why would you come and tell me a coward hiding in a wine press. You've called me, Lord. There's no way. It can't happen. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. You know the story. He started throwing out fleeces, testing his faith. Begin to grow. So much so that he went to go fight the Midianite army. 165, 185,000 men, warriors. With 300 men without a weapon. And put a glorified whooping on him. Come on, somebody. Because he did not limit God by where he came from. He did not limit God by his mind. Church, listen to me. If we're going to get through or break through these invisible barriers that are in your way right now, it's keeping you from your prosperity, keeping you from your healing, keeping you from what you've been praying to God about. You've limited God by the way you think. You've limited God by where you've come from. How could God use me? I'm just a little worm going through life. I think of Clarence Matheny. Clarence Matheny is with the Lord now. He died 30-some years ago. Cerebral malaria. He was a missionary in Kenya. Tremendous man of God, one of the greatest preachers I've ever been around. But uh, when he and his wife, Jewel, when they got married, he couldn't read or write. He was from Mississippi. He could not read or write. He was a big man, a strong man, and Jewel, his wife, was, uh, she was saved, He lied about his age, joined the Navy, became a cook in the Navy, World War II. His his wife got in a terrible accident. Her face was twisted up. She had to wear these real thick glasses to be able to see. But there was a a preacher that had come into town, set up a tent. He was praying for people to be healed. Jewel told Clarence, says, look, I want to go to that meeting. Clarence did not want to go. He wasn't a believer. He said, I don't want to go. Finally gave in, went, sat in the back rows. He says, well, when that fellow, little fellow up there, because the, the preacher was real small, Clarence was really big. He said, when that, when that little preacher gets up there and he tells you to come forward, you go on down there. And if he doesn't heal you, I'm going to go down there and whoop him. That's, really, that's how he said it. I heard him. I said, I'm going to go down there and whoop him. At the right time, he called people to come forward. A jewel came down. He prayed for her. Her face began to untwist. She took off these glasses and she could see perfectly. I think she died last year, the year before last. I don't ever remember her wearing glasses. That night, Clarence got saved, full of the Holy Ghost. That's not the end of the story. About three months later, Clarence told Jewel, he said, Jewel, I believe the Lord is calling me into the ministry. But you know I can't read or write. But I'm going to believe God. He took the limits off of God. He would open up his Bible, and it was just letters on the page and he didn't even know what any of them meant 
Time after time, he'd open his Bible, couldn't read anything, didn't make any sense to him until one day, because he took the limits off of God from where he'd come from, uneducated. He opened up his Bible, and he said it was like every word began to jump off the page into his soul. He said suddenly those words connected together made sentences that made paragraphs that turned into pages. He said, I could understand every single word that was on there. He became, like I said, one of the greatest preachers, country preachers I'd ever known. All because a man took the limits off of God. He removed the invisible barriers. That's what God's trying to get you to do is remove these invisible barriers. Don't go around saying, I'm just this little poor worm going through life. I'm just crawling through the dust hoping God can use me somehow. Somehow, I can't read, I can't write, I can't do anything. You need to quit saying that. You need to say you have a big God, a God that does impossible things. There are no barriers to our God. The third thing, don't limit God by your ability. I hear this all the time, well, pastor, I can't do this. I'm not able well, that's not my calling. Well, what is your calling? Since everything is not your calling, what is your calling? <laughs> Have you ever just get frustrated like that? I had somebody one time, Pastor Daniel, you know, we had opportunities to serve in the church. Say, well, it's not, not my, it's not my calling. Well, what about children's ministry? That's not my calling. What about evangelism? That's not my calling. What about helping to usher? That's not my calling. I said, what is your calling? Since nothing is your calling. You see, we limit God by our ability. We don't think we're good enough. I like what it says in Zechariah 4, 6. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Listen, you can't do what I'm talking about by yourself because you're not that good. You're a good-looking people. You're a happy people. You're a Holy Ghost-filled people. Can I tell you right now, on your own, you cannot do anything. You've got to do it by the spirit of the Lord. You've got to have him come alongside of you, grab hold of you, begin to lead you. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You're good, but you're not that good. There's a man in Beaumont, Texas, southeast Texas. His name was Casey Jones. He was the president of the Full Gospel Businessmen Association there back in the 80s. He was a house mover. You know, they'd jack up an old house, put a trailer under it, move it to another location. And, uh, and he had hired a bunch of men. It was a job he had about two or three hours out of town. So they drove down the, out in the country, way out in the middle of nowhere, and finally get close to where they're at. And he suddenly realized, I don't think I have a chain. I needed a chain to start the project. He didn't have time to go all the way back to town because he was paying these guys that he had hired. They were unbelievers. And so he, he'd, he said, come on, men. He said, we're going to get together. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to give us a chain. I don't have the ability to get a chain. We don't have time to go back to town to get a chain or buy a chain. There's no place to get one. He said, but I believe the Lord is able. I believe God can do it. I can't do it, but I believe the Lord can do it. He said, come on, we're going to pray. And some of the guys started hitting each other, you know, kind of elbowing. He bowed his head. He began to pray and call out to God, Lord, I left my chain. I know you're able to get me a chain. He could hear snickering, a little mocking going on of those unbelievers that were surrounding him that he had hired he said, Lord, I know that you're able. You're my God. I'm taking the limits off of you. You're able to do this. I'm trusting you, Lord God, to give me a chain. I'm out in the middle of nowhere, but Lord, I need a chain. I trust you in Jesus' name. And he closed, he, he closed the prayer with an amen. He said he looked up and he saw coming down the dirt road, a truck, I mean, coming lickety, split down, split down, the, down this dirt road at the curve where they were. And he said that truck went by him so fast spinning around that curve. And he said, when it went by, he saw the tailgate was open and a big chain flew out of the back, slid across the road and curled right up at his feet. 
That's a true story. Hey, you're good, but you're not that good. But I know somebody that is. Somebody that cares about you. Somebody that wants to bless you. Somebody that wants to take you a little farther than you ever wanted to go. Somebody that wants to break through those barriers that you have put up in your life. Like David, who came to the battlefield to go bring some bread and cheese to his brothers. As he comes on to the place where the warriors were, the Israeli warriors, the soldiers, Goliath rises up. And all the warriors of God begin to flee because of this giant. And David says, why are you running? Why are you going? You're the warriors of God. He said, what shall be done for the man who kills this giant? And of course, he was trying to find his brother's word gets around the camp that there's a kid out there saying that he can kill giants. Well, the brother said, hey, that must be David. David's always a big talker. They finally find David. They said, what are you doing here? Go back and play with the sheep, dad's sheep. He said, he said, what should be done for the man who kills this giant? Well, word gets to King Saul. And Saul didn't know if it was a big burly warrior or something that was ready to take on this giant. So he, he, has, he has his uh, commanders to go get this boy, David. David pulls back the flap of the tent and kind of steps inside, and there's Saul. He looks at him and he said, he said, you're just a youth. You're just a kid. He said, well, well King, he said, I don't know if this means anything to you. But I've killed a lion and a bear with my hands. And the same God that strengthened me to kill a bear and a lion with my hands will strengthen me to kill this uncircumcised Philistine. By the way, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Who is he? You know the rest of the story. He goes out and kills him with a rock. Because David did not limit God by his ability. You know what David did? David merged his inability with God's ability. He merged, his, he merged God's ability with his availability. See, that's your problem. You're not making yourself available. You need to take your inability and merge it with God's ability. God is able to do anything. Strike down giants. Move mountains. Raise the dead. He's able to do it. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Take the limits off of God. Let's remove these invisible barriers. You've got a new year just about to approach you that you can bust right through whatever's the barrier that's in your life by taking the limits off of God. Don't turn back. Don't tempt God. And don't limit the Holy One of Israel. Come on, somebody. Are you in the house? Give God a good offering of praise. I'm just going to tell you this story. We're going to close. I'm past my time. I was in uh, a meeting with a, a pastor named Paulos. He's from Indonesia. And... Um, Paulos was in, Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world, 250 million, 260 million Muslims. They have a school and a church there. And uh, he was saying that because of the threat that they've had, they had a plan so that if they ever were attacked, they would run through the, the rainforest to a safe place and meet there. One night, in the middle of the night, somebody calls and says, they're coming to burn you out and kill you. 2,000 of them. 
And they, they got, he has three daughters. His wife grabbed the baby. He grabbed the middle one. A student grabbed their third daughter. And all of the students and all of them fled into the jungle. I've been in the rainforest in Indonesia, in Borneo. You can't see your hand in front of your face. It's so dark. And they were fleeing, tripping, falling. And they end up, uh, you know, running for their lives. The, the buildings are on fire. They're trying to kill all the Christians that were there. And they finally arrive in what they thought was a safe place. And he counted and he found that his oldest daughter was missing. And the girl that had grabbed his oldest daughter was there. And she said, we fell and we got separated. I couldn't find her. And I had to flee for my life. The pastor began to weep, call out to God, Lord, where's my daughter? Help me, Lord God. How can I find her in this dark place? I mean, he was praying in the Spirit. He, was, you know, he, he did what only a father would do. He went back toward the danger looking for his daughter, knowing that he could be killed. As he was stumbling along through the darkness, he fell into this deep ravine down, I mean, down and down and down to, to the edge of the river. He was weeping, Lord, help me find my daughter. And he heard a little voice. Daddy, is that you? Daddy, is that you? And he saved his daughter. He looked me in the eyes. He said, it's one thing to be lost. It's another thing when it's your own child. You know, that's how the Father in heaven is this morning. It's one thing to be lost, but it's another thing when, when you're His. You belong to Him. Christ has paid a price for you. And you're sitting in darkness alone. This morning, some of you need to break down these invisible barriers. It has to start with Jesus. Some of you have slipped away and you've fallen down into a deep place. And you feel lost and surrounded by darkness. And, but there's a Heavenly Father looking for you right now. He's going back toward any danger that you may be facing to rescue you. All you have to do is say, Daddy, is that you? Daddy, is that you? And I want to pray for you if you're that person. Would you bow your heads for a moment? If you have fallen away from the Lord, if you've fallen into a place of darkness, how can you break the invisible barriers? You can't do this alone. You've got to have the power of the Lord to help you. Maybe you're here for the first time or you've been here for a while and you've never really given your heart to Christ. You know dark darkness has surrounded you. You know the enemy is trying to destroy you. You know that. But here's the Heavenly Father today who's searching for you in that dark place. Will you be the one that will lift your hand and say, Daddy, that's me. Help me, Daddy. Lift your hand if that's you and say, Pastor, pray for me. Pray for me. Rescue me, Lord. Amen. Who else? Is there someone else? Rescue me. Daddy, is that you? Daddy, is that you? Father, this morning, to those who've lifted hand, to those, Lord God, who have put a limit on you with their minds from where they've come from because of their ability or lack of ability. Somehow, Lord God, we have these invisible barriers. Lord, we want to break them down. We start with you, Jesus. We invite you into our heart. Lord, I know I've failed many times. I have found myself in this place of darkness. And today, Lord Jesus, I'm saying, Daddy, is that you? Pull me out of this place of darkness. Pull me out of this place of danger and peril. I want you, Lord. I want you, Lord.
thank you for that. Lord, cause all old things to pass away and new things. Let them come into my life. In Jesus' name. Lord, for those who have struggled with their ability, those who have struggled, Lord God, with what's in their mind, the way they've thought, those who have struggled, Lord God, from their past and how they were raised, Lord God, no longer are we going to use those as excuses. We're going to tear down these invisible barriers. We're going to take the limits off of you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. Pastor Daniel, thank you so much for letting me be here.